Well, good morning, Vineyard family. It's so good to see you all. My name is Matt. This is my friend Mia and Chaz on the cajon. We're going to be leading you in worship this morning. And whether you've gathered here in person or you're watching online, we want to invite you to lift your voices and make these songs your prayers. If you're here in the room with us, you can follow along at votrweekly.org. Everything that you need is right there. Online, of course, it's all right there on the tabs. You'll, you'll find a notes tab and that has announcements and sermon notes. So let's lift our voices and worship together. God, how beautiful your holy word that formed the worlds in such goodness. Oh, the shame that we would spurn it all to turn and fall into darkness. God will sing how through your Son you turn this loss and hurt into glory. How, when scorned in death, you raise him up, his gains become the whole world's story. Let all things rise, and let all things rise, and bless your name. All things made right and new again. Oh, Lord, our God, your goodness is free and boundless, is reaching endless through it all. On this road, every step we take your faithfulness is our portion you've prepared a city bright and fair whose gates forever stay open and son of God in you we've taken the way of love's occupation Oh, the joy to share in your reward The stunning turn of new
watches
moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Yes. 
thank you so much that you are faithful, that you make a way in impossible situations, that you hear our cry. And God, that you don't leave us as we are. You accept us as we come, but you don't leave us the same. You change everything. And this morning, we invite you to come and to transform us, to develop us, to make us more like you. Holy Spirit, we invite you and we welcome your word. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray and that we sing. Everybody said amen. Amen, amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you so much for worshiping with us, everyone that's, that's here gathered, as well as everyone that's at home as well. Thanks so much for worshiping with us this morning. If you are in middle school, you are released at this time. Chaz is going to continue your service just across the hall in the community and youth room, and so you can just kind of go ahead and make your way to the back of the room. He'll take you across the way there for the rest of your service this morning. My name is Jeff, by the way. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard, and before we continue our series, Transforming All Things, I wanted to talk about an exciting event that is happening in our parking lot in just a few hours. You probably saw the convoy truck as you pulled into our parking lot and came into the church this morning. It's a great sight to see. We are about to do a giant drive-through giveaway this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, starting at two o'clock to help everyone and bless everyone in our community that has been uh, impacted by COVID-19. So many of us have been adversely impacted through COVID-19. We've been struggling. Many of us have lost jobs, relationships, have just kind of on uh, unstable ground, and this is going to be an awesome, awesome way to serve our community together alongside Convoy of Hope. You know, when, when COVID-19 hit, uh, Convoy made a goal, a quick and instant goal to begin putting it into action to serve 10 million meals across the nation. And today's event, we are going to be part of them surpassing this goal in just a crazy way. They have already served close to 100 million meals, 10 times more than what they set out to do. Isn't that amazing? 100 million meals. We'll get to be a part of that this afternoon. And so, so excited to be partnering with them in that way. So if you are uh, in need yourself, and we have many folks in our church that we have helped you throughout this process. If you are in need, we want to invite you to this event. Come to this event. There'll be free groceries and diapers, socks and shoes. It'll be a great event, and you can help us get the word out as well because our goal is to serve a 1,000 families uh, this afternoon, and so we would invite you to, to help us get that word out as well. In, in all reality, this is part of joining God in the transformation of all things, right? This, this is part of our outward expression of our inward faith. This is part of us loving Fort Collins, and we are so blessed and thankful to be partnering with Convoy. Because you remember just a couple of weeks ago, I talked about part of doing a spiritual adventure and being on a spiritual adventure with God is that you are blessed to be a blessing. And this is absolutely something that we're excited to do this afternoon. Well, we're going to continue our series this morning. Our series called Transforming All Things. This week we're going to talk about another one of our core values, the core value of development. 
And we almost called it discipleship. Obviously, that's a huge part of, of who I am, who we are as a staff. We are incredibly interested in your spiritual discipleship and your spiritual development and journey with Jesus. But we, we felt like development was a better word because it also helped us to incorporate the organizational structures of our church and, and who we're aiming to be as a community of believers, always wanting to seek improvement, always wanting to grow and develop as an organization as well. And these, of course, like this idea of development, both in the person and the organization, are absolutely biblical ideas. Two great examples that you can find in Scripture, um, you can find by looking at the life of the disciples and the life of the early church. The early followers of Christ and the early church. By looking at these two groups and studying these two groups, you can see the value of development everywhere in the way that Jesus developed his disciples, the way that God grew the early church. And after seeing that in Scripture, we'll be able to apply it to our lives today as we move forward. But the first thing I think that you need to do is, is almost just kind of zoom out from each in particular story that you find in scriptures, and you need to look at the disciples and the early church from kind of a macro point of view. And when you do this, when you zoom out and, and see it, um, not just one part, but you see the whole, you realize pretty quickly that, that both of these groups, the early disciples of Jesus and the early church, they hardly had a clue at all what was happening. It's almost more like things were happening to them and they were trying to figure out what was going on around them, but that never stopped them from joining God's mission. You look at the early church, they did some amazing things. They were part of some amazing uh, moments in the kingdom of God, but it, it's pretty clear that they were building the plane while they flew it. They did some great things, and then at moments in the book of Acts, they experienced kind of some course correction, and they, they realized that they needed to do this in a different way, or, or they needed to chart some new ground. And I think this is important for us to recognize, because organizationally, I hope that we're always a work in progress. I mean, I really do. I hope that we're never satisfied with where we're at, and we just kind of get into this kind of muddy water of stagnation that would drive me crazy. Right? There's this tension that we need to learn to live in in the kingdom of God of being fully content with everything that God is doing in our midst and always hungry to see more of his presence and more of his power and influence moving through us. So this is why organizationally you see that we're committed to starting new ministries when the time is right, that we're not afraid to jump into new things. It also shows you that we're willing to assess and measure and adjust and even change ministries if they're not for the current season. We're willing to do that as an organization. But this morning, I want to focus a little bit more on the life of the disciples and how their journey of spiritual development can be applied to our lives. And I think sometimes we look at the lives of the disciples and we think to ourselves, oh, it would, have been, it would have been nice to just have Jesus there in the flesh. Like, it's easy to, to look at their lives and say, well, no wonder they did so many amazing things. They had Jesus right there. He was their companion, right? Day in, day out. But actually, when you look at the lives of the disciples, you realize pretty quickly that they were a little dull-headed from time to time. Actually, they were quite dull-headed from time to time. And I am confident that if God can use a dull-headed disciple from the days of the Bible, that he can use us as well. I mean, this was a real thing. The dull-headed disciple is a real thing. 
And in case you, you think I'm being sacrilegious or something this morning, I can tell you, I didn't come up with that phrase, okay? Jesus used that phrase first. In Matthew 15, 16, Jesus had just taught a whole bunch of people, and, and not everybody understood what he was saying, including the disciples. And so you, you run across this scene, and it almost is, this picture is almost painted that Peter comes alongside Jesus and basically says, hey, Jesus, you know when you taught that thing back there? You know, some of us weren't, weren't quite understanding what you meant. I mean, not me. I understood, I understood what you meant. But like some of the other folks didn't understand what you meant, Jesus. Could you, could you explain it, you know, to us like disciples? That, we would, that would be really, really helpful. And, and Jesus goes in verse 16, are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. This is the, the dull-headed disciples coming from the mouth of Jesus. And when you read the Gospels, you realize pretty quickly that this kind of stuff was always happening. They were always trying to figure out who Jesus was. And most of the time, it was just a little bit foggy for them. They didn't always know what was going on. On more than one occasion after a miracle or some kind of spiritual experience with Jesus, the disciples said, now I believe. As if the last time I said, now I believe, that was like semi-belief, like I kind of believe them. But now that I've seen you do this, now I believe. And this happened more than one time in the Gospels, right? Their, their faith was a work in progress, and Jesus was okay with that. He wasn't offended by their journey. He didn't fire all of the disciples and start over with with quicker learners, you know, or people that could process information faster or could understand his teachings more clearly. He didn't fire and hire new ones all of the time and said Jesus was patient with his disciples. He was loving and kind and always committed to their spiritual development and the journey that they were on. I love how John, the Gospel of John, puts these, this idea to words in John chapter 12, verse 16, when, when it says his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. It was after the fact. Once they had gained some perspective and looked back, that they realized that these miracles, these, these prophecies were written about Jesus. They, they, didn't, they didn't know it before he was crucified and raised from the dead. It was after the fact. And I feel like this is so true for so many of us. I mean, how many of us have prayed for things and we didn't get the answer right away or maybe we didn't get the answer that we had expected and so we've, we've, been, we've been thinking that we're just largely disappointed with, with how God answered that prayer or, or questioning if that prayer was even answered, maybe even let down by God and then days go by or weeks or months or, or maybe even years go by. We gain some perspective in life. We look back and it dawns on us, oh, God answered that prayer exactly the way it needed to be answered. I couldn't see it in the moment, but, but now after the fact, I can look back and I can see that Jesus was always there. He was always with me and he was answering the prayers that needed to be answered. And we all have stories like that. Turns out we're a little bit more like the dull-headed disciples than, than maybe we care to, to realize, right? That we can be a little dull-headed too. And if this is your first time here, like, I usually don't call the entire church congregation dull-headed. I realize like this is kind of a new thing. But, but if I say it with a smile, you know that I'm just kind of teasing a little bit. This is the reality though. We, we all make mistakes, 
We all miss the mark and, and we misinterpret God's movements. We think we're discerning his will and we, and we kind of have to go and have a redo with God. I, I bet we've all complained to God thinking that he's left us to fend for ourselves. And then as, as time goes on, we come about our wits. We can look back and just like the disciples, we say the same things. Now I believe. Now I see that you've always been working. This happened to me last, literally last week. Just this last week, I had to be reminded of my own kind of muted spirituality and dull-headedness sometimes. My kids are, are all doing the online school thing, and, and one of our kids in particular just had a, had a rough week. And the frustration was just kind of boiling up and out into the family, and then I soaked up that frustration, and it, and it kind of boiled up in me and kind of spilled out on others as well, and, and I just found myself just getting overly frustrated and worked up about this. And, and, I, and I realized this is a hard thing. It is a hard thing. But I was responding in a, in a greater than type of way. And then on Monday, my wife, my beautiful wife, Natalie, this, this saintly woman comes up with this amazing, pious and Christian idea. She said, we should pray for our kids when they go to school. It's like, how come I couldn't come up with that? Why, why didn't I have this great Christian idea that was, that was married in scripture and prayer and will cover our children in intercession? But I didn't. I was being dull-headed. My wife came up with that idea. And so we prayed. And I know we're going to have more struggles in the days to come, but I'm telling you, it's been the best week of school this, thus far because we actually remembered that God loves to work through us, that we remember that God loves to answer prayers and that he loves our children and wants the best for them. But I can get a little dull-headed sometimes and I can forget sometimes the basic things like I need to pray for the specific prayer requests that are currently frustrating me. I mean, dull-headed discipleship happens, right? It happened for the disciples, it happens for us. But Jesus is 100% interested in continuing the course and staying the course of developing our faith over the long haul. And so what I want to do the rest of this morning is I want to talk a little bit about how God does this in our lives. I want to talk about how God begins to develop our faith and grow our spiritual maturity. And of course, there's a lot of different ways that he does this. This morning, we're going to talk about three specific things. First, I want to talk about how God invites you before you are ready. That God invites you before you are ready. There are going to be times in your life when God invites you to do something before you feel like you're ready, before you know all the answers, before you've reached some kind of, of spiritual apex and maturity that you've been seeking to attain in your life of discipleship. Jesus is going to invite you to do some things before you're ready. And, and we know this because he did it to the disciples all of the time. This was kind of his M.O., dropping them in the deep end from time to time and then picking up the pieces and developing their faith as they went along. If you look at Luke chapter 9, we're going to be in Luke chapter 9 a couple different times this morning. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 to start off. This is what it says. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal 
the sick. This seems like a fairly straightforward command, a a fairly straightforward thing to go do. But the only problem was it it, it wasn't straightforward for the disciples at all. It didn't make any sense to them. They had no idea what that meant. No idea. At this point, they still couldn't figure out if Jesus was going to somehow take over Rome or if he was just some rabbi to follow and learn from. They had no idea that Jesus was going to die on the cross, substituting himself for our own sins, only to come back to life three days later. They had barely learned how to pray. In fact, throughout the Gospel of Luke, they were going to learn how to pray three or four more times. Essentially, the equivalent of this is like they could not walk, talk, and chew gum in the spiritual realm. This was, this was where they were at. And Jesus blessed them and said, go out and cast out demons, set the oppressed free, heal the sick. And he just launched them out. There's no way that they were ready for that. But this is what they had going for them. They were way, way more concerned with staying faithful and obedient to Jesus than they were concerned about doing it perfectly. Jesus asked them to do something. And they weren't ready. But they jumped into the ministry anyway because following Christ was a higher priority for them than perfection. And I wonder how many of us have not stepped out in faith because we've been afraid to make a mistake when clearly Jesus is a lot less concerned with perfect success than we often are. Part of the how when it comes to your own spiritual development and your own spiritual growth means that God is going to invite you to do some things before you're ready. And striving for excellence is a good thing. Wanting to improve and continual improvement is is vital to your ongoing growth. But there is a big difference between developing your faith and expecting perfection. And I really think that sometimes when we focus on perfection, it actually keeps us from growth because perfection creates a a failure to launch in certain areas of our life. It's an illusion that will keep you from launching into the unknown with God because we can be so tied up in making sure everything fits and, and everything is tidy and has its place and sounds perfect and looks perfect and is so neat We get so wrapped up in this idea of perfection that we never actually jump into God's mission for our life. Some of us need to realize this morning that as Christians, we have the freedom to choose progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. God will invite you before you're ready because he's concerned with the development and the the progress of your faith. More than you saying the perfect words and doing the perfect things and making and taking all of the perfect steps. Some of us this morning need to jump into God's mission. We need to jump into that small group that we've been wondering if we should join or not. We need to jump into reading our scripture even before we have a perfect Bible reading plan. We need to pick up a new habit or start dating our spouse or start trying to take steps towards emotional and physical and spiritual health because it's all part of the journey. Every small step is part of the journey. Jesus is committed to your development. And again, he's way less concerned with you achieving perfection than you are. I always say that that in the kingdom of God, we get tested from time to time, but God's tests are always pass-fail. 
You can redo them at any point. You can always turn them in late. God will always be inviting us to take another step with him. He'll invite you, though, from time to time before you are ready. Next thing that we see about how God develops our spiritual lives, God corrects you when you're wrong. In the kingdom of God, if your moral compass is compromised, God will bring correction in your life. And he does it lovingly and through kindness, right? And it can happen through prayer or scripture or or sometimes through leaders, but God will correct you when you're wrong. And and right now, sometimes we, we like to forget about this as a culture. And we like to think that God won't correct us, that that, you know, this phrase, you do you, has just somehow slipped into this idea of the kingdom of God and we can do whatever we want. But no, God will bring correction to our life. When you think about the disciples, right again, chapter 9, I read verses 1 and 2. We had just read how they were sent out to heal the sick and to share about the kingdom just 40 Verses later, same chapter, still Luke 9, 40 verses, late, 40 verses later, they're already, already arguing about who is the best in the kingdom. Who's the best disciple? Probably what happened, this is how it works in my mind anyway, this is what I imagine, how I imagine I would fall into this story, is that somebody saw a bigger miracle than someone else, and so they started jostling for position and arguing about who was the best. They're bragging about how great they are as disciples. And then in verse 46, this is what it says, then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest, but Jesus knew their thoughts. So he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Verse 46, they're they're arguing about who's number one, and Jesus corrects them. He said what needed to be said in that moment. Can you imagine if Jesus never corrected his disciples? Can you imagine the spiritual leaders that would have been in charge of leading the early church? Jesus needed to correct them for their own growth and their own development. And the beauty of God is that he will do this again and again and again in his kindness and love and his compassion, but also with his assertiveness because he is developing our whole lives. I told you before that the disciples were a little dull-headed, right? And, and, it, and it's true, they were dull-headed. We see it again in chapter 9. Their dull-headedness just continues. Remember the sequence. Jesus sends them out to set the captives free and to heal those who are sick. 40 verses later, they're arguing about who is best. Jesus corrects them. And I am not kidding. Seven verses after they get corrected, Jesus has to correct them again. At the end of chapter nine, in verse 54, the disciples are at it again. This time, believe it or not, wanting to destroy an entire village. This is what they wanted to do. And Jesus corrects them again. Let me just read this verse, verse 54 here. When James and John saw this, they, a village wouldn't welcome Jesus with kindness. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went 
to another village. And honestly, I don't know what I love more about this text, the fact that, that James and John are so audacious in their belief and their prayer life that it was that good that they could actually call fire down from heaven, or the fact that they just got rebuked seven verses prior to this, and now they're at it again, and Jesus has to correct them all over again. And he does. He does correct them. Because he cares about their spiritual maturity and the development of their hearts and having their worldview line up with the kingdom of God. Because it turns out the solution was actually pretty simple. Just go to the next village, guys. Like you don't, you don't have to call fire now. You can just keep walking to the next village. They needed to be rebuked and corrected. And this idea of, of correction is getting harder and harder to do in our culture right now. Everything is easy when, when the answer is always yes, but when the answer is no, our culture is having a harder and harder time hearing the words no. And it's, I think, a product of this new phenomenon called the cancel culture. If you haven't heard of this yet, it's basically like consumer mentality on steroids, right? Because now we have, we have so many options to consume, we have so many subscriptions we can choose from and, and so much content to take in that if we find something that we don't like anymore, if we're offended by something that we hear, we can just cancel it and move on. And the problem with this is that it's impacting how we view leaders and organizations, churches, and, and even our own discipleship process. Because again, if you don't like what you have heard, or if you don't like that you just got corrected, or in the discipleship process, if you were told no, you can just cut off the relationship and move on. And the cancel, the cancel culture, it, it never leads to development. Instead, cancel culture leads to post-latent adolescence and arrested development and a spiritual immaturity because instead of being corrected and growing, you can just correct and quit. And move on to someone that's a little easier for you to listen to. As a culture, we have become allergic to correction, and it's going to stunt our spiritual development. And none of us are awesome at taking correction, right? It's always a little uncomfortable. It's always like there's always moments of, of tenseness in the midst of, of being corrected. But this is exactly how the disciples went from children in their faith to giants in their faith. And if we can learn to sit in the tension of taking feedback from God, we will grow and be developed. I mean, again, he does this through scripture. He does this through prayer. As we gather, he does this together as a community. And, and of course, he'll speak to you through people who are, who are incredibly honest in your life. If you, if you want to develop in your faith and in your spiritual lives, we've got to be ready for God's kind and loving correction. Last one for this morning on, on ways that are on how, kind of this how-to when it comes to God developing our spiritual lives is this, God, God reassures you in your doubt. He's so, he's so kind to us. He's so good and he's so kind and he knows that as he reassures us and as he comforts us that, that he's also developing our spiritual maturity because we all have doubts. We all, we all have doubts. We all have issues. We all have struggles with our faith from time to time and God will not condemn you for your humanity. He is sympathetic towards us. 
He will reassure you. I have a friend who once told me that he doesn't go a month without being an atheist for at least 15 minutes. Like life happens and hardships happen and he has a string of bad days and he just cries out, God, are you even doing anything? Are you here? Are you awake? Are you paying attention? Where are you, God? If there is a God, you need to do something. 15 minutes every month, he's an atheist. And then he remembers. This is all that God has done for me. This is all of the ways that he's come through for me. And, and, and he remembers all that God is currently doing in his life. And he's good for the remainder of the month till his next 15-minute rant session. But God doesn't condemn your doubt. He reassures your faith. Luke chapter 24, continuing in Luke this morning, Luke Chapter 24, verse 38, I think is one of the most tender and kind moments in all of the Gospels. This is when Jesus shows up to his disciples after being crucified and raised back from the dead. And, and some of the disciples are doubting. Many of them are afraid. And Jesus shows up to them and says this to them in verse 38. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus didn't show up yelling at them. And we need to be careful how we read the voice of Jesus when we spend time in the Gospels. Be careful about the internal voice that you apply to Jesus when you read his words because this text is not full of a shaming or a condemning voice. It's full of a voice with love and compassion and kindness. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't remind them of all the times he told them that he was going to die and be raised from the dead. He doesn't shame them and, and yell, I told you so. Why didn't you believe? Instead, Jesus, with, with all of the kindness and with all of the love and compassion in the world, showed them his wounds, stuck out his hands and pointed to his feet and reassured their doubts, ministered to their fears, and developed their faith in a deeper and deeper way. I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites in the Gospel of Luke because it shows us how Jesus tenderly responds to our moments of weaknesses. This is how Jesus develops your faith. Yes, he will invite you to jump before you're ready. And yes, he will even correct you when you're living a little out of bounds, but he will also comfort you and love you and show you compassion because he's interested in seeing your spiritual lives developed over the long haul. Have you lost confidence in a promise that God has given to you? Have you forgotten about his sacrifice on your behalf? Have you lost track of his presence or started to doubt his healing power in your life or your marriage or your relationships or your finances or anything else? In your doubts and in your fears, Jesus will comfort you and reassure you. And it's part of the way that he develops your spiritual maturity. 
because we're all in process. We're all still growing. Our organization and our church is growing and developing, and so are each one of us. I am developing as a better leader, as a better husband and dad and pastor and preacher. God is developing all of our staff, and, and God is developing you right now. He is committed to the development of your whole life. As I prepare to close this morning, we get ready for our own time of ministry and reflection. I want to encourage you to sit with some of these main points from this morning. How is Jesus inviting you to follow him even before you're ready? How is Jesus correcting you? And how are you responding to his correction? And maybe this morning you just need to experience Jesus and the way that he can reassure you and comfort you and fill you with his love in the place where you have doubts and fears. Pay attention to those questions. And pay attention to the voice of God because I believe that this morning he wants to speak to you and he wants to minister to you because he knows that you're a work in progress and he's committed to the journey. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us right now. God, we know that you are committed to developing our lives and our hearts. We know that you are committed to the journey that we are on. And we know that it says in Scripture that you are sympathetic towards our weaknesses. So we invite you to come now, Holy Spirit. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. We invite you now to continue to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, here at the Vineyard, after every message, we always create an opportunity for you to just kind of sit quietly and reflect on everything that you've just heard. Our band is back up, and they're just going to quietly play for a few minutes to create just a, an atmosphere where you can quietly reflect with God. And I would invite you to ask those questions, ask those main points back to God, where He's inviting you to go. If maybe there's a moment of correction or even if you need his reassurance this morning. Let's pray quietly for a few moments and then I'll be back up to lead us into a time of ministry and response.
Let's stand together. You know, here at the Vineyard, in addition to that quiet time of reflection and that private moment with God, we also always create an opportunity for us to respond in a time of ministry, worship, and prayer, kind of collectively and actively. There's a variety of different ways that you can do that this morning. Our team will continue to sing some songs. We would invite you to lift your voice in worship as a declaration of your love and and your response to God this morning. You can give as an act of worship. You can do that online on your phones. There's a Give Now button if you're viewing with us at home, and there's boxes in the back of the room as well. And every Sunday morning, we always create an opportunity for you to receive prayer ministry as well, really believing that that the Holy Spirit wants to meet you and minister to your needs this morning. So if you're on the prayer team, why don't you just come on down now and and just make your way around the stage and be ready to to receive folks in prayer. If you're online, at any point, you can click the the live prayer button. One of our staff members will pray for you. But we really believe that this is an opportunity for us to just kind of, with bare hearts, go before God and say, I need this in my life right now. I need a breakthrough. And you can always come forward for anything and everything that you might be going through in your life right now, unrelated to the talk, related to the talk. We want to pray with you if you have any prayer needs at all. But specifically tied to this message, you you might want prayer because you know God is inviting you to go before you're ready and it's just making you nervous or you don't know what the next step is. We would love to pray for you and just bless you with courage and faith to take that next step. Maybe... You've been avoiding correction because it just doesn't feel that good. But you have to remember that God is kind and loving in his correction. And so maybe you want prayer for that this morning or or maybe you just have fears and doubts. And this has just been a hard season. And you're at your wit's end. You don't have any energy left and you feel like you're just spiritually dehydrated We would invite you to come forward for prayer because we would love for God to to pour out his spirit upon you to reassure you with comfort and with hope this morning. The last thing that I want to say is that that I think for some of us, either in this room or or viewing at home, when I was talking about that internal voice for God, that, that when we read the gospels and we kind of like have that internal voice for how Jesus sounds, that some of us need healing in that particular area that we've, we just realized this morning that, that, man, every time I read the voice of Jesus, he's stern or he's angry or he's aloof or disingenuous or apathetic or something, fill in the blank. And you just need healing this morning. You, you need to hear the tone of his voice in the way that it was displayed, not the tone that you imprint upon it. So if that's you, we would invite you forward for prayer as well, believing that God can show you what he's truly like. Let me pray over the room and then we can respond together this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and fall upon us right now. In this room and in houses all over Colorado, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. We present our lives and our hearts and our minds and our bodies before you and we ask you God to come and minister to us in this time of need 
come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Come forward for prayer. And in a few songs, I'll be back up to close up our service this morning.
I thank you. Thank you that you are always at work within us. Thank you that you are always at work within our church. You are always developing and sharpening and releasing us into new steps and new ways of partnering with you. Thank you that you are always helping us dig deeper wells of our faith within you. Deeper experiences of your goodness and your kindness and your love towards us. We love you, Lord, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning and worshiping with us. It's always a pleasure to see you and to to be connected with you at home as well. Be praying for this event, this convoy event. It starts at two o'clock this afternoon and we are trying to serve a thousand families in our community in need. And so be praying for that, that as we show them kindness and love, that they will be interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So be praying for that. Also, we are about ready to give thousands of diapers away. And you still have time to run to the store, grab a case of diapers, and bring it back before that event. And so we would encourage you to do that if you want to be a part of it in that way as well. God bless you. We've got one more week of this series. I'll be wrapping it up next Sunday. But have a great Sunday, rest of your day, and great week. God bless you.